I'm Sarah Vine and this is Sarah Vine's Female Half Hour from Mail Plus. I am joined this week as every week by my friend and co-host Imogen Edwards-Jones coming up on today's show. Children who fail CSE maths, GCSE maths I should say, CSE maths is what I did, (laughs) (laughs) or English could miss out on student loans. Have you harnessed the power of the moon? We talked Mm -hmm. to Teresa Chung on why you really should. And there has been more drama over gender-neutral lavatories this week thanks to a London theatre. But first, Imogen. Mm. Russia. I know, what a horrible day. Horrible day. It was supposed to be Freedom Day, and instead of which it's turned into Russia invades Ukraine Day. Yes. And my children last night were sitting on the sofa debating whether or not they'd be conscripted. Mm. I think people are really frightened. I think they are frightened. I think it's... uh... It feels very frightening. Yes. Well, I imagine if you live in Kiev, which as I did for a while, I was at university in Kiev, and I still have friends there. I think it's very frightening. But you were there when it was under when it was Russia. When it was Russian, yes, yeah. yes. So I, you know, I can understand a tiny bit mm. of the other side of the argument. But um, even when I was there, they were very desperate to be Ukrainian. Yeah. And um, but it seems very weird. I mean, all the places that that he's invading nicely. You know, I went to the opera in Odessa. Gosh. <laughs> I mean, you know, all those. It's it's a really beautiful country, and. Um, it's devastating. I don't know how they're going to get through it. Or they seem to be very, very brave. I mean, you and I were talking earlier. Mm. There was a run on guns in yeah. in Kiev. They seem to be. I mean, it seems. What's frightening is is the idea of trenches mm. and which we've seen and hand to hand combat yeah. because all the wars that we've seen recently have been miles away and sort of done not in trenches that's what's so well, also they're, they're going to be yes and i i think that the idea that there's sort of some crazy man out there who oh, wants yeah. to invade everything is something that sort of belongs to films and mm. to another century and yet here we are with the crazy man mm. well so what's very sad is i've spent a lot of time in russia and that sort of really weird sort of russophobia that was very prevalent in the 80s mm. do you remember when they invaded afghanistan yeah. You know that that had gone. You know the Russians. We our point of view of Russia was you know very inclusive. At, yeah. Uh, and uh, and you know they were our mates. I mean Putin's approval ratings are on the floor. I mean I don't imagine the Russians are particularly. No. The Russian people are particularly. No, pro, pro he's, this. he's made you know what is essentially a beautiful, fantastic, interesting country into pariah state. Yeah. And has. that and that's what's so devastatingly upsetting for people who live there. Yeah. And for people who've got you know who spent any time there. It is a beautiful country and I'm, you know, he's clearly lost the plot in a major way. Yeah. Well, we have to hope that um, he has some generals around him who are not completely... Not scared. Yes, I don't know. Anyway, onwards. The Barbican, the Old Vic and the Playhouse Theatre, where Eddie Redmayne is currently headlining in Cabaret, have all decided to offer only unisex toilet facilities. On the line now is Debbie Hayton, transgender British secondary school science teacher, journalist and political activist. Hi, Debbie. Hi. Thank you so much for joining us. I wrote about this in yesterday's Mm. paper and I just really wanted to get your point of view. I mean, I personally think that uh, I'm very happy to have uh, transgender women in the loose with me. Yeah. Um, In fact, I have a transgender lady at my hairdresser who is delightful and mm. I've never ever ever encountered any unpleasantness so I just think we should just have normal lose and everyone should just go where they feel comfortable but uh, what 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 are your feelings well I think that's that's fine for you to decide on a single case Sarah mm-hmm. but how do you define what a transgender woman is mm-hmm. do you uh, 
do you place any rules on how you actually decide who is transgender and who is not? Mm. Can any man decide to be a transgender woman and join you in the toilets? Mm. Well, so yes, of course. I mean, this is why this is the problem, isn't it? But uh, do you not think that those, I mean, how many of those people do you think there are? Are they a real danger, for example, in the Playhouse Theatre when you're watching it? I mean, I, I can understand that there are concerns over places like prisons and hospitals and maybe schools so, as well. So you're, so you're saying have male and female lose and just to yes. keep blokes out of ladies', ladies lose. lose. Yes, yeah. basically, yes. Yeah. But I mean, what Debbie's saying, I mean, I think what you're saying, Debbie, is how do you know whether a transgender woman is going to be a threat or not a threat? Is that correct? Well, it's not so much threat. Mm. Uh, well, threat, threat is an issue, but it's just about dignity mm. because it's deciding who is to be, who is a transgender woman. Mm. And this has been damaged, I think, by the uh, legal changes the last few years. When mm. we, we went from a situation where 10 years ago, 20 years ago, we knew what you would, you knew what was meant by a transsexual. Mm. It was somebody who was probably gone through a process of gender reassignment, probably mm. had surgery, probably mm. made major changes to their bodies. But that's not the case anymore, and you can't rely on it. Mm. Uh, what happens now is we have transgender people, and it's purely a matter of people being able to decide, I am transgender, and therefore the rest of the world has got to revolve around that and mm. change for me. Mm. Yes. And it's meant that... Uh, transsexuals who 10 years ago, 20 years ago, were using women's loose and nobody batted an eyelid. No. Well, yeah. Now, people are asking questions. Mm. What, because it's just so easy to self-identify, is what you're saying? Well, it is because it's self-identification, mm. so it is easy to self-identify. Yeah. I, I think what you're relying on, you're relying on the fact that uh, abusive men or... Uh, Men in general wouldn't do that, would they? And I've got to be honest, you know, 99% probably wouldn't. Mm. Yeah, but but it's, the, it's the minority that will are the ones you've got to worry about. Mm. So, so what, what I don't want is a urinal in a lady's exactly. loo. Well, that's what they've got, that's what they've yes, got at the that, playhouse. Yes, and that's the idea that I have mm. to go past some man with his member out <laughs> while I'm <laughs> going to go to the loo. I mean, you know, I'm quite tough, so I, it won't upset me that much. But if mm. you're an 11-year-old, girl and you've been sent by your mother to quickly have a pee during yeah. the interval that could be quite traumatic to come back having seen some man exactly. willy you know in between while, while, while watching cinderella i mean that, that's the, that's the point i suppose i was trying to make in my column which is mm. i think i think actually we've made it worse by making of course you ha yes absolutely because yeah. because although as debbie says there are going to be there might be some people who are but they were in their own private cubicle at that point mm. you know i don't care what you do in your little cubicle quietly on your own no. you know how many bits and pieces you have to pull out in order to go to the loo i really don't care <laughs> but the idea that i have to pass by yeah. six blokes with their willies out yeah. Well, that's what, that's what it was. Yes. I mean, that's the thing. And I think a lot of people are very upset by that. I mean, what do you think the solution is, Debbie? Do, do you have a solution? Because, I mean, I don't. Yes, but... <laughs> I do. I think, I think we go from one end saying that all must be strictly segregated male-female. Mm. And then they say, let's just have gender neutral for everybody. And it, it just seems to me to be going from one, one situation to another, neither of which is going to uh, please everybody. Yeah. Why not? And this is a simple solution. Let's, let's keep the women's toilets for women yes. so that the women have got a space where they can, they can go to the toilet, they can natter, they can... Uh, yeah, women need, women need that space. We can do mirror the face. Men's to, the yeah, the <laughs> men's toilets are a different yeah. kettle of fish. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, but what you notice about the men's toilets is you notice urinals, you notice cubicles. Mm. And uh, why, what those cubicles sometimes do in the men's toilets is... is 
I, I just I'm not sure why why they're there. Mm. Uh, but why not? Why not go for three spaces? So that instead of having a door into the men's with urinals and cubicles, mm. just go into the men's with a door into, into urinals so you know what's there. Mm. And then put those that space, which was the men's cubicles, mm. put them separate, as separate, uh, as separate single-use cubicles that both men and women can use. Mm-hmm. And that, mean, that means, because the complaints you men have from women is they're queuing up they're queuing up for the two cubicles in the women's toilets yeah. and they know fine well there's, got, there's two more in the men's toilets that nobody's using. Yeah. Mm. So open, open those up to everybody so that men can use them, women can use them and transgender people can use them mm. without any of this fuss about whether they're a man, they're a woman or whatever. Yes, yes. Yeah, I mean, maybe the solution, as you say, is to just have individual cubicles and not have any sort of distinction. I mean, basically... Yeah, but men are filthy I mean, in the lavatory. They, they That's are. what's so disgusting yes. about them. They are, I know. I know. I'm not supposed to say that because I did say that yesterday in my column and then lots of men emailed me saying, actually, I'm very good. I never make a mess. But, but if you've ever, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I share a loo with a teenage boy and oh. I, quite honestly, it's just not fair. No, um, I'd, yes, I'd rather not. Yes, thank I mean, you. the third space is, the third space right, is obviously the sensible, the, is the sensible thing to yes. do. But the problem is lots of these theatres don't have the no. space for the third no. space, I no. think. That's the problem. I mean, the, the other problem is, of course, the ladies' loos are always oversubscribed because mm. for some ladies, from we ladies like to go to the loo a lot. Yes. <laughs> I don't know why that is. Yes. I make a policy of hardly ever going to the loo in public if I can help it because I don't like public toilets anyway. <laughs> um, okay, Debbie, I'm not sure we've actually solved any problems here, but it was very interesting to hear what your thoughts are. Yeah, um, thank I, you. I, I have to say, I, the readers have been emailing in their droves about have this. They? They, people do really care about this. They really, women really well, don't f- like using the men's loos. No, of course they don't want They also don't want blokes in their, no. in their lavatories. I just, yeah. It's the mixture of provision which I think is important. Mm. When I'm out and about in town, I know which coffee shops have got those single use, mm. those single use cubicles for both men and women. You know, the mm. small coffee shops that yeah. one mm. toilet, and those are the ones that I tend to uh, seek out because mm. I know where they are, and uh, I know I'm not going to upset anybody by using them. Mm. But then, then women will say, once men have been in there, it, it's grotty. They would prefer to have but you see, the thing uh, cubicles is, Debbie, just for women. What mm. you just said is, I know I'm not going to upset anybody, is something that, you know, the sort of kind of hardline transgender lobby doesn't care who they upset. Do you know what I mean? They don't like to, they don't seem to, it seems to all be about what they want and not what everybody else wants. And I think your sort of approach, which is that, you know, let's live and let live and just mm. try and, and try and sort of all rub along together, is lovely, but it's not going to wash with that lot, is, is it, really, well, to be honest? Well, with rights comes responsibilities. Mm. And I think if we started talking about responsibilities at the same time as we're talking about rights, mm. then we might get along a lot better. Yes. You are a very wise woman, as ever. <laughs> I've said it before. Thank you so much for coming on. and um, Speak to you soon. Speak to you soon. <laughs> Lovely. Thank you. That was transgender campaigner, teacher and general super person, Debbie Hayton. You are listening to The Female Half Hour with me, Sarah Vine, and Imogen Edwards-Jones. You can visit mailplus.co.uk slash subscribe to get access to all our podcasts, videos, opinion pieces, and more. And if you want to get in touch, you can tweet us at mailplus at Westminster Wag or Imogen at Imogen EJ. Pupils who fail GCSE English and Maths mm. face being banned from taking out student loans under government plans to be announced this week. Mm-hmm. So joining us now is George Trefkan, Chief Executive Officer and Founder at Boscobel and Partners to talk about this. George, I have to say, I'm not entirely in favour of this. What do you think? Well, I think, Sarah, it has to be read alongside the other changes they've announced, mm. which is that 
you're going to start repaying your student loan at a lower rate. So it was 27,000 a year. It's going to be reduced to 25,000 a year, mm-hmm. your salary level. And also, it used to be the case that your student loan, if you hadn't paid it off, the remaining balance would be written off after 30 years. They're mm. extending that to 40 years. Gosh. So the effect of all that means that the average per student in their lifetime mm. will end up pay- having a, a debt burden of about £100,000 that they have what? to pay off, as opposed to before they had the burden, but they didn't necessarily have to pay it, pay mm. it off. And the other thing is the interest rate supposedly is being cut slightly. So, that, so before it was uh, the retail price index plus mm. 3%. Mm. It's now just going to be the retail price index. But that's still a hefty amount when yeah. you consider that probably inflation is going to be about mm. 7% this year. So that's a 7% interest yeah. rate. So my concern with the student loan system overall is, frankly, it's a sort of Wonga-style mm. system. Yes. But very young people who don't necessarily understand uh, what fully you know the implications are signing up to a huge debt burden Mm. that's going to last throughout their adult life Mm. so when we talk about that you know the restrictions of you know people haven't passed your maths and um Mm. english gcse is i guess i'm more relaxed than you because i think that really we we need to stop getting young people sucked into this system Mm. and it needs proper reform i'm with you george i think that if you haven't got grade four grade four is quite low Mm -hmm. you haven't got grade four english and maths the the degree that you're doing can't be worth a huge amount bearing in mind you've got a hundred thousand pounds worth of debt well, I think no, no, so you've really got to be doing be something higher. good. Yeah. You've got to be doing something. I mean, totally I suppose I my I suppose my thing is that is that I was a, I did very badly at school. I did mm. not thrive at school, and I got into university, mm. and then I did really well at university. Yeah. And I think some people's learn at a different. Sarah, rate. you've got the gift of the gab. <laughs> I didn't have the gift of the gab then. I've learned it since then. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, for example, both my children are well. well my daughter's very dyslexic, mm. and for her getting, I mean, she did eventually pass her GCSE. Yeah. but it was really, really really tough yeah. and 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 i have to say it was like pushing a boulder i mean you know it just does it's yeah well my daughter's the, the same the as thing well is, yeah for, for, i think i think what the education system needs to understand is that there are some subjects that are very difficult if you have certain you know mm. particular factors and i i i hate that sort of I, I I sort of think that sometimes we focus too much on a certain type of intelligence. Well, that, yeah, and there are shades of grey. And obviously. there are shades of grey. But but I do I do think that there are so many people doing so many really quite terrible degrees, yeah. and they're being led by the yeah. nose a bit. The idea that you must go into further right. education, at, right. and we're devaluing. But then on the other, other hand, skills. George, unless we offer alternatives to people, I mean. You know the apprenticeship schemes. The, the the you know we used to have things called technical colleges where yeah. you could go if you didn't get into university. Mm. But all of that doesn't seem to be happening. So you you know, quite often I think young people well, feel the fairness, only. Actually, they have got one of the things that the government is doing is they've got this um, skills bill going through Parliament, which mm. is increasing the amount of practical things, alternatives people can do. Yeah. So, but the thing is with those is that you can't get funding to do it very easily. Exactly. My personal view, and this is, you know, obviously would cost something, but is that we should open up the student loan system so that to all sorts of courses, including adult education, if you want to study, Mm. but the interest rate should be cut dramatically, Mm. but it should be properly regulated by the Consumer Credit Act. It's currently exempt, which is why it keeps getting, they're allowed to change all these um, uh, you know the the, the 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 terms repeatedly, mm. and that the interest rate should be cut to say one and a half percent. But you should have a clear sense you need to pay it back. Mm. 
Mm. Yeah. And there should be far more grants available for people on low income. Exactly. You're completely right. It's ridiculous having it at 7%. I mean, the base rate is what? Well, 0.5. Exactly. So it's it's and the you government know, itself borrows at one and a half percent. Exactly. So it's so you know it should be at the at the percentage rate that the government borrows at. Mm. Basically, they yeah. should you know they should just not be making any money out of this. But in, in, as you say, it is a wong. What did you, what did you call it? Wonga. A wonga <laughs> system. No, you're system. so right. But you're right that it should be opened up to adult education mm. to people who want to come back into the so that and everybody people doing PhDs yes. and all sorts of things. Yeah. But I yeah. do think people that young people are wasting huge amounts of time and money on degrees that aren't worth the paper they're written on. And maybe some sort of filtered system, a more accurate sort of filter system would be better, no? But a lot of this to do is there's a criteria on which universities yeah. um, let people in. I mean, you mm. know, when we went to university, you had to have math You had to have math GCSE, yeah. you had to have English. I mean, that's, you know... The, but the, I think it was O-levels then. Or O-levels, whatever <laughs> they were called. But the thing O-levels. is... O-levels. O-levels. I had math CSE grade you one. You were so old. I you was, had old levels. I had old levels. <laughs> yeah. But I do think... I, if you're doing a degree in modern languages, you don't need math GCSE. True, true. Do you? No, you don't. But I, I think there has to be some sort of basic standard of literacy and numeracy well, I mean, in order to go into further but education. But that's your A levels, isn't it? Well, not necessarily. No, if you're if you're innumerate and you and you're at university, I don't think I don't think it's I mean, helpful to so you in the long an run. The interesting question is whether you'd understand your student loan if you hadn't got your master's. <laughs> Very good point. Um, and that's a very good point because if you look at the sort of things about uh, philan- financial literacy, mm. a lot of people don't understand the effects of compound interest. Yes. For instance. No, I certainly never did. Um, I mean, the thing we is, we do now. Obviously. I do now because I've also got you to explain it to me. Yeah. But well, it's one of the things about adult life, isn't it? <laughs> yes, that Waking is true. Up to the effects of compound interest. <laughs> yes. 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 Exactly. Your credit card bill. <laughs> for but well. I mean, most sixth form, most good sixth form colleges won't take you unless you've got math GCSE mm. and English anyway. Will they, George? I don't think so, no. no. Um, there's also quite a few technical uh, courses that people can do and should be doing, mm-hmm. which are kind of on the wild frontier of whether you need maths or not. Mm. I mean, for instance, you need maths to be a good plumber. Mm. Well, you do, actually, yeah. Actually, probably you do, yeah. yeah. Yes. But I think the other problem is, is that, I mean, and I say this quite genuinely, is, is that I grew up in Italy and I went to Italian school till I was 14. Mm. And then I was sent to the UK to do my old levels, mm. as Imogen likes to call them. <laughs> and... Until I left Italy, I was really good at maths because I had a really good maths teacher. Mm. And then when I came to the UK, I had a really bad maths teacher. And it, it didn't all... take very long for me to forget all my maths. Mm. And actually... It is very teacher-dependent. It is very teacher-dependent. Mm. And I don't think we teach maths very well in this country. You're absolutely correct on that front, yes. Is that unfair, George? I think it varies, to be honest with you. I mean, there are quite a few maths-dedicated schools that mm. are opening up. So I think there's a, there's a recognition that historically we haven't taught it as well as we should have done. I've always thought, by the way, that a great GCSE would be called Maths for Finance, which essentially... I always struggle with maths. Well, that's a good idea. I always thought it was very abstract. Oh, Finance you know I mean? maths. Forget real world mm. things. Practical maths. Solve. Practical yes. maths. Practical maths. Mm. Exactly. That's a good idea. Yeah, I'd love to do a practical uh, maths, but you see what I could, I mean, I think where people get sort of stuck is when they have to do comp, have to make X the subject, <laughs> which always vexed me rather a lot. So yes, practical maths. I think that's a genius idea. I think we should introduce a practical maths mm. O level GCSE. Yeah. But but I but I do think going back to the universities a bit I think I think we've got so many children in higher education and so many 
useless degrees for which they are being paid for which they're paying nine thousand two hundred and fifty pounds a year for to Wonga to Wonga. I think there's some sort of recalibration that has to happen a mm. bit. That you know because the idea that students are customers as well mm. as uh, as well as students. I think we sh- they should really have a long hard look about whether financially it's actually worth it. Mm. Exactly. So putting it on a sounder system would make it more transparent. Yeah. yeah. And people would understand better what they were getting themselves in for. Um, but the other thing, Sarah, the point you made about practical stuff, and one of the things we found, I don't know if you noticed this during the epidemic, mm. is so many practical skills were required. Mm. And it was the old, slightly older people who knew how to fix stuff. And mm. Do you know what I mean? I, I mean, our generation, generation below us, are not as practical as previous mm. generations. No. Don't you think that? Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, can you wear a plug? I, th- I think if you challenged most twenty-year-old males to change a tire, they'd struggle. To mm. be honest, or wear a plug. But you can wear well, a plug. I've seen wi- you do. Of course, it. I can wire a plug. I've seen you do it very quickly, um, and I can change. I know a tire. government ministers who can't change tires. <laughs> <laughs> I know the government ministers who can't change tires as well, George. Mm. I want- <laughs> do you think they're the same one? <laughs> yes. I wonder. Is, is that the are. one who can't park a car as well? That one. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, George, thank you for that. I think your idea is brilliant, and I can't understand why they're not doing it. They're obviously not paying attention enough. Inertia. Yes. Okay. Well, (laughs) Well, thank you, George. Thank you very much. That was George Trefgan, Chief Executive Officer and founder at Boscobel and Partners, who I think has quite a lot of good ideas on this. Yes, so do I. Very clever man. Very clever man. And finally, it's time to talk to our resident astrologer, Teresa Chung. Teresa. Before we talk about the moon, please tell us it's not going to be World War Three. <laughs> well, I haven't looked into that. Mm. I, I was asked to talk about the moon. But what I think, I think he's going to take over, uh, you know, those areas. And then it'd be like Crimea. The world sort of get, you know, forgets. However, you know, and it could go anyway because we're dealing with a 71-year-old um, man who's clearly been in power so long. Well, we he's think he's got, sense. Imogen and I think he's got roid rage because he's taken so many <laughs> steroids. Well, Imogen, you know, because he's a Libra, isn't he? Mm. Is he? Imogen, yeah, yeah, very, very classic Libra, really. But Libra is sort of like right in the heart of Libra, that you know, because Libra has this ability, this, this uh, ability to be completely unemotional. Mm. Um, oh, and that is interesting. Mm. I mean, mm. I always call Librans; they're like the iron fist in the velvet glove. Mm. That, mm. You know, that there is that tendency because they are a supreme... The smiling assassin. The smiling assassin. I've been called that before. <laughs> well, they're the only objects, aren't they, in the in the Zodiac? They're not an animal or a fish. Oh, gosh. You see? So we're so made of steel. Libran, made you know, of steel. I think they're more serial killers under Libra than... <gasps> I'm sorry, Imogen. But it's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> so all my friends are it's, Libra. It's, what does that say? Because they are so able to, you know, because they are able to distance themselves from mm. their emotions, which can be very positive if you're a heart mm. surgeon or a, you know, or a bomb disposal expert. Mm. But if you, it can also be ultimate ruthlessness, but presented in a very charming way. I say iron fist, velvet glove. Okay, Teresa, <laughs> Teresa, we're not here to talk about Putin, so no. I'm afraid. Let's howl at the moon instead. Yeah, so we ha- so we're here to talk about this group of women, apparently, in Cheshire, who meet each full moon. Oh, I know them well. And do oh, a do ritual you? to harness the yeah, power yeah, of the yeah. moon. It's a small world, the world I'm in. Um, <laughs> all those names are very familiar to me. Gosh. Some of them I've met, know and love. So, so, so what do um, they do? What do they do? They meet monthly. 
For what? Yes, they meet monthly and they basically draw down the energy of the moon. I mean, this goes back, there's a wonderful book a while back, I think Starhawk, Drawing Down the Moon. This is very, very pagan, very ancient. And these lovely ladies are just simply following that tradition, but in a modern way. So good on them. It gives them a sense of community. So so how does it work? I mean, uh, I think we're talking about this particularly because there's a full moon, isn't there, on... Is it March the 2nd? There's a March the 1st or 2nd, yeah. We're in the waning period now. Right. There's an important well, full moon. And, um, well, actually, the, the interest in lunar living, and there's a wonderful book by a lovely lady called Kirsty Gallagher, uh, Lunar Living, which kind of exploded during the lockdown as well as Yasmin Boland, Claire Stone, and all the others doing it. Mm. And the reason we got so interested in the moon during the lockdown is because we had clearer skies. Mm. So we were able to enter into that ancient relationship with the moon again, you know, because our lives were slower mm. and we could be more contemplative and inward focused. And this led to this renewed interest now because lunar living is really big. You've also got Holly Willoughby, you know, Gwyneth Paltrow, mm. lots of celebrities deep into this. And it's very, very simple because the moon affects the tides and rhythms. We are 70 percent water. It's, it's, an, it's an ancient connection that's very obvious. And the changing phases of the moon just help us understand ourselves better because we're all pulled and affected by the Earth's rotations and gravity and the moon's pull. Mm. Ancient wisdoms and cultures knew this and they'd use the moon to farm, to conceive, to celebrate, mm. you know, milestones. Mm. And in our modern times, it's simply tuning back into that ancient mm. time cycle, the rhythm of life. Aren't, aren't more babies born on a, on a full moon than any other time of the month, isn't it? Apparently the labour wards get packed. That's what I heard. Absolutely. And crime is very high. A full moon is a very sort of like, it's, it, I mean, there is a sort of really rational reason you can see better. Mm. You know, in the night. <laughs> you yes. You can see what you're doing. I always get a little... I don't quite know what the word is. Crazy. A little, a little, yes, a little, a, a little sort of feisty Giddy. around it. Giddy. A, you know, if I ever drink too much, mm. which I don't often do, it's always a full moon. On a moon. full moon, yes. Yeah. I try not to accept well, social get a bit engagements fighty. on a full moon. <laughs> well, every, every phase of the moon, I mean, there are lots and lots of technical phases of the mm. moon and these ladies in, in the feature about it would be, would be deep in. But if you look at it generally, there are really only three phases of the moon you need to concern yourself about. The waxing, which is when the moon is growing bigger and bigger in the sky. And that's a great time for setting intentions, Mm. you know, manifesting what you want, you know, like growing seeds. Full moon is a time for expression, for celebration, for doing. And then we go into the waning period, which we are in now, which is more about the importance of reflection, Mm. doing plans and, 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 um, the darkness, because when the, when the moon's new, you can hardly see mm. it at all. Mm. And that's a very important time to sort of like regroup, gather, reflect. And people, you know, who are into lunar living, they simply follow those cycles. A good time to do contracts or to make plans is in the waxing mm. and full phase. And the waning is more a time to let go, reflect, pause. Um, and I think it's beautiful. And it's, of course, it's... the woman's cycle matches mm. the moon so perfectly as well. Is there any um, naked dancing involved? That's what I'd like to know. Oh, <laughs> you need to contact those ladies. I'm sure oh, that sounds but fun. That, isn't there something <laughs> called? Isn't there something called moon bathing? Yes, isn't that lying where you stalk us? Yes, because yes, I've actually dipped my toe into this. I've, I've written a book called The Moon Fixes. Moon mm. phasing is when you simply you do stand naked and let the See? light of the moon. 
I was, I, I was see in, you pantless. I was in, <laughs> I was in Wales for the last full moon. With your knickers uh, on? But I can't imagine standing outside naked in Wales. It's very cold, honestly. And also Sarah and Imogen, you've got to do it. Let's do it. Hampstead Heath, let's go. Next full moon, you and me. But it's very empowering. It's the mother moon. It's the goddess. It's the, it's the ancient archetypal feminine oh, that these women are tapping into. And, and like, you know, nuns did in the past, praying. Yeah. What they're doing is they're trying to bring down positive healing loving mm. loving energy into the world that's what they're doing you know it's kind of beautiful yeah. and sacred mm. yeah and you know actually the moonlight is quite flattering is it though? i mean if oh, one pulls in one's stomach enough perhaps it might be all right <laughs> i don't know but also there are some studies in it as well showing you know that you know mindfulness by the moon can help you know cognitive behavioural therapy programmes, administering it, Reiki, mm. all these nature prescriptions. Mm. I mean, it's part of the na- getting a nature fix as well. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, 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 it's a movement, but I said it was, it was fired up by the lockdown because yes. we actually saw the moon and could actually... There's nothing more awe-inspiring, actually, than looking at the moon. No, it's very beautiful. I yes, agree. Yeah. I agree. It's very beautiful. Thank you for that, Teresa. I shall uh, contemplate. I'll look out for you. So yes. You're going to do that. You're going to yes. do moonbathing. <laughs> <laughs> She's a giant pair of <laughs> white buttocks <laughs> running across Hampstead <laughs> Heath. That'll be me, moonbathing. Get those lunar energies. As long as it doesn't go to lunacy, it's great. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Um, I've, now I can't get the image of a giant pair of white buttocks running across Hampstead Heath out you of my You can have mouth. white robes. You don't have to do it completely naked. Oh, thank I mean, God for that. Oh, thank God white for that. Thank white robes. Oh, well, thank Wearing you, Teresa. Thank you, different. Teresa. And, um, and I'm glad that you're not you're not predicting World War Three. That's good. Good, yes. Yeah. I have not. I haven't really, really studied it. I almost don't want to. But it, as I said, astrology is probabilistic. It's not predictive. Mm. You know. But you know, with Putin, we've got a guy almost enacting King Lear at the moment. And, yes. Uh, oh, nice. I think somebody to sort of caution him would be great. But <sighs> yes. Who I wonder. Anyway, thank yeah. you very much, Teresa. Lovely to talk to you. Take ever. Care. Bye now. Take care, Sarah Imogen. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> That was Teresa Chung, spiritualist and author of The Moon Fix. Mm, excellent. Very good. I'm not sure I can do that. <laughs> I don't know. I think I'm sort of past that. No, no. I No, I think we should. Do you think? Yes. If you enjoy listening to The Half Hour, why not visit mailplus.co.uk slash subscribe to get access to all our podcasts, videos, opinion pieces and more. If you want to get in touch, tweet us at mailplus, me at Westminster Mag or Imogen at Imogen EJ. You've been listening to The Female Half Hour with me, Sarah Vine and Imogen Edwards-Jones. Thank you so much for listening.